This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Indo Daily. Now, a special episode of our brand new sister podcast, The Bell Tell. Welcome to Ready, Steady, Census. The game show which uses statistics to predict the future. Two communities competing to win the grand prize. Will Demons get a referendum on the United Ireland? Will Usens be able to stop that? Today on The Bell Tale, we discuss the results of the latest Northern Ireland census. Up for grabs will have national identity, passports, religion and language skills. Here to help me make sense of the winners and losers is Belfast Telegraph journalist Andrew Madden. Let's start with the big question, the big prize, religious background. Drum roll, please. Andrew, can you reveal the result for religious background from the Northern Ireland Census 2021? The latest results show that 46% of our population are now Catholic, while 43% are Protestant or another Christian religion. So that means that the number of, well, the number of Technical Catholics uh, mm-hmm. is down actually slightly, but when upbringing is included, there are more, I suppose, cultural Catholics mm-hmm. than cultural Protestants. Yeah. Who, who won? Well, is there any winners in this game really? But you know, some people, if you want to be creative about it, yeah, we'll say you know, Catholics essentially came up on top as such. Um, and it's actually quite surprising how much it changed can, uh, compared to back in 2011. You know, when you look then, uh, it was like 48% of the uh, population was either Protestant or brought up in um, the Protestant uh, faith. And that's now 43%. So it's a good, you know, 5%, which is a healthy chunk. Um, and as you say, Northern Ireland was designed, so it would always have a permanent, you know, hefty uh, Protestant majority. And for that to have now changed for the first time in our history, um, it's pretty seismic whatever way you look at it you know people will try to downplay that but um, I think you know it's, it's people will be know. playing it up people will be playing it down depending on your point of view but mm-hmm. um, the province of Ulster was reduced from nine counties down to six to try and guarantee that 
Protestant uh, majority, which was assumed at all stages to be unionist. And I assume, and I think we can safely assume, that the vast majority of those people who ticked Protestant of, or, 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 or some sort of uh, Christianity other than Catholic mm-hmm. on that census will be unionists. Now, there's another dramatic change, and that's no religion. 100%, yeah. Up dramatically. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about nine point three percent of people said they were belonging to um, no religion or were brought up in no religion, um, and that's you know up from five point six percent in two thousand eleven. So you're talking you know, well, zero point seven percent shy of ten percent of our population is no religion. So that's growing, um, and you know that's that's the biggest uh, growth out of any of those of those sections, if you want to call it that, um, and that just shows you we're becoming you know a more you know more secular society. Um, I think that's not just Northern Ireland, but um, across the board, you know, um, in terms of the UK and down south. But, you know, we have, you know, throughout our history been a very religious country, a very religious island as well. Um, so to see that um, is ex- extremely interesting. Yeah. So that means, I mean, almost one in five of the of the population of Northern Ireland say they have no religion or didn't state a religion, an almost identical figure uh, to that which identifies as Northern Ireland. Now, Northern Irish, they're mm-hmm. not exactly the same people, of course, yeah. but we have to throw that in the mix. So what does this mean? Well, I think it's interesting if you actually set that beside the success of the middle-of-the-road political parties here. You know, if you look at the the surge in the Alliance Party vote, you know, they would um, put themselves forward as a middle-of-the-road party, um, containing both Catholics and Protestants and both um, nationalists and both loyalists, or um, people that um, are unionists, rather. Um, so it shows that the, you know, there is a growing middle ground, um, and that kind of brings up all sorts of questions for Stormont in terms of the way it's set up, where, you know, everything has to be, uh, you know... A, across community basis and there's the first minister and deputy first minister of the national biggest nationalist and the biggest unionist parties so it really does raise questions and you know i think it'll it'll strengthen the voice of the likes of the alliance party they're saying we really do need to reform the institutions and and change things um you know you know this mandatory um you know coalition um is you know it's for the birds really at this day and age that narrative, I'm sure, will continue, but there are two other narratives which will, of course, continue because mm-hmm. of this, of Ready Steady Census, and I think the speedboat in this game was a, a referendum on the United Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of Catholics uh, has gone, you know, in comparison, there are more Catholics, cultural Catholics, yeah, if yeah. you want to put it that than Protestants. Now... I suppose it's sure that 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 for people on the nationalist side, this may say, well there may be talk, more talk of a referendum and for people on the unionist side will say, well, no, uh, Catholics don't don't equate to, to nationalists and it's still only 45%. Yeah, so. people will will say that, you know, just because you're Catholic doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you're nationalist, just because you're Protestant doesn't necessarily mean you're unionist. But by and large, you can safely say that the vast majority of nationalists are Catholic and the vast majority of unionists are Protestants. I know, you know, Jerry Adams simply said that, you know, Outbreeding Protestants may be a very fun pastime, but it's hardly a, a political strategy. But at the same time, th- let's be honest, Sinn Féin will use this to a degree. They'll try to do it subtly, but to say, you know, maybe it's time for a border poll, which they have been calling for um, recently. And it's interesting to know as well, even before these results came out today, the DP released a statement trying to downplay them because people were predicting that this would, um, this trend would, would, would present itself. Um, but I think even them would be slightly shaken in their bits a wee bit. 
And even if we take away the question of a referendum and we take away a question of a United Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, nationalists, some nationalists, particularly from the SDLP mm-hmm. this morning, say, well, everything's actually changed and it's nothing to do with a referendum, it's to do with the nature of our society. Um, it's, it's, you know, if there are more Catholics and Protestants, you know, there are there's so much around Northern Ireland, which for obvious reasons, historically, was Unionist, Protestant, British, royal Mm -hmm. and they'll obviously be saying hey things need to change here demographics have changed of course demographics have changed and you know there's all there's that argument in terms of people calling for a border power wanting to unite Ireland about having to bring along moderate unionists with them and as you say, there's many institutions that are, you know, staunchly unionist in Northern Ireland, so they'll be want to be protected. And regardless if a border parole was called tomorrow and was successful, there's still going to be a sizable um, portion of the population on the island that is from a Protestant background or a unionist background. And you can't just, you know, cast them aside and say, well, there's not as many of us anymore. Um, we far outweigh you in the north, so therefore you don't matter. That's just ridiculous. But maybe religion is no longer the issue it was because mm-hmm. we all also have stats on national identity, which may be uh, a, a lot more relevant in terms of cultural issues and, of course, in, in, with reference to the constitutional status of Northern Ireland. Hundred percent, yeah. And it's it's very, it's interesting. I mean, the amount of different combinations people have reported um, in these results. I mean. The question was first included back in 2011. 40%, you know, said they were British only. 25% said Irish only, and 21% said they were only Northern Irish. Now, um, well, things have changed quite a bit. Um, they show that 30, 32% of the population see themselves as British. So that's a big drop. It's a massive drop. That's it's, a big it's, drop. It's a massive drop. Do we? Do you have any theory for that? Well, I think more people are, you know, seeing more people are seeing themselves, you know, as maybe both. Um, and obviously there's been slight growth and people see themselves as Irish only. And then I suppose there's people as well that don't um, see themselves as, you know, as either really. They're, they're, they're not too concerned of whatever they label themselves as um, in that sense. And because, as I say, there were so many different, you know, combinations. Say people, you could say Irish only or British only. You could say Northern Irish and Irish. And, you, you know, there's so many different ways. So it's hard to um, to kind of draw conclusions having from said that, that. Having said that, mm-hmm. that political centre that we talk about in its cultural sense, mm-hmm. um, Northern Irish only, that percentage of the population has dropped ever so slightly. But we can say it's, it's, it's steady. Yeah, yeah. And the Irish only one has grown mm-hmm. significantly, but mm-hmm. not dramatically. Yeah. And it's that British one which, which, which has gone down dramatically. So there'll be questions perhaps on the unionist side mm-hmm. is is are there is it brexit is is it demographics is it religion there's it's yeah, very complicated 100 percent, yeah and especially recently you know i'd say since brexit and whatnot um it's kind of come more to the fore more people have started to realize um you know in maybe in the unionist community that possibly london doesn't really care too much about what happens here or maybe they think they wouldn't say it out loud but they think, you know, maybe better off just cutting Northern Ireland off and letting them take care of themselves. Or if they want to join the South, they can join the South because it would be a lot less headache for us. Because let's be honest, you know, with Brexit and the Northern Ireland Protocol, if it wasn't for the Northern Ireland Protocol, Brexit would have been um, sorted a good while ago, I would say. We have to, I think it's a good start to point out British and Northern Irish only is 8%. Yeah, yeah. And I think all, another thing to point out is that um, Irish only at 29%. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other combinations of Irish. Yeah. Um, and the number of Catholics, uh, if I just flick back to that, we're all reacting mm-hmm. live to these, um, these, these stats, neither of whom would be cause 
neither of these statistics would be a reason for the Secretary of State to call no. a, a border poll. Let's be absolutely clear yeah, about 100%. that. Let's be absolutely clear about that. Um, there is a very important stat, which I suppose in any other part of the world would be the top stat, uh, mm-hmm. and that is the overall population, because that's the number of taxpayers, that's the number of people who need services. Well, that's it, yeah. That's the whole point of the census, really, is to gauge exactly how many people there are in the country and where they're at, and what kind of, you know, if they've got any health conditions, what you know, what kind of ways of the family shape, what kind of houses live in, because that's how you determine what kind of government support, that's how you determine, you know, the structure of the health service and where it delivers services. So that's very important. Yeah, so now we're actually at a record high, 1.9 million people. That's up from around 1.8 back in the 2011. So to put that into perspective, there are 42.8 million kangaroos in Australia. So if every man, woman and child had to fight a kangaroo if they chose to invade Northern Ireland, our days would be numbered. You, you know, I was going to say I, I was very surprised that kangaroos were taken into this conversation, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm not really because we are talking about um, masses of people, masses of combinations, mm-hmm. and people are very very complicated, and we're trying to make sense of something. Yeah, but, yeah. but of course, In the grand scheme of things, we're a very small country. You know, remember that? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's small, but I I couldn't get everybody in here to to no. get so so you're just going to have to speak for everyone this morning. Yeah. Um, what? How have the political parties been reacting to these initial figures, Andrew? Well, obviously the unionist parties have tried to downplay the significance of the fact that Catholics have outnumbered Protestants for the first time. They are understandably um, because you know obviously their fears of you know people trying to use this as an argument for why a border border poll should be called, and then sensibly the nationalist parties have not bit and tried to push that agenda because it is a very crude barometer and people can see right through it. But at the same time, you know, um, it, it won't do them any harm in calls for a border poll. So I had to play it very subtly and it's a careful kind of a, a, a tightrope game in that sense. Um, and, you know, the ones like the Alliance Party in the middle of the road parties will very much focus on the, the people that don't subscribe to neither, um, the middle of the road folks. Yeah. Can I bring in some reaction at this stage? Um, two commentators, uh, one from a nationalist background, one from a unionist background. Uh, Alex Kane first, the unionist commentator, he said, this confirms what I've thought for over two decades. Those political electoral vehicles supporting the union need to expand, embrace, recalibrate. Not a time for panic nor complacency. I'll, let, I'll bring in Chris Donnelly, who's a nationalist mm-hmm. commentator, immediately here because I think there's a lot of similarity to what they're saying. He says, unionist leaders have no idea of the lengths they will be compelled to go to, even to try and halt momentum through towards Irish unity. It starts with ending hostility to the GAA, Irish language, and acknowledging the all-Ireland identity of their neighbours, including supporting presidential voting rights. Those people come from quite different stances, but it, it there seems to be some sort of Equivalence there. Yeah, there is. There's kind of the realisation there, um, the what what this means, and it means that there has to be some sort of cohesion and there has to be tough tough questions asked um, in terms of, you know, as Chris only mentioned there, things about, you know, the GA, which obviously it's an all-Ireland body and whatnot. Um, And, you know, Alex Cain was, you know, sensible in, in his argument that, you know, unionism needs to, as I say, you know, have a look at itself. And and try to be more accommodating, perhaps. But as we said, we, the unionist parties got their spake in pretty mm-hmm. pretty pretty uh, quickly, and we'll talk about Ulster Scots later. Um, it was Gregory Campbell saying specifically, Catholic does not mean nationalist, and he is demonstrably 
correct there yes, yes. because in the last uh, the nationalist vote hovers about forty uh, percent. I think forty three percent is the highest it's ever got to, mm-hmm. um, and Catholics are now forty six percent. If it, yeah, so well, they're not too, they're not too far apart, really. <laughs> let's be honest. And, oh, yeah, like, yeah. When I say it out loud, I realize actually uh, maybe yeah, uh, yeah. As I say, you don't want to use this as a crude barometer, but at the same time, it is fairly uh, broadly correlates. Uh, and the UUP, Stephen McCarthy, who's who's a Catholic yes, uh, true, from yeah. a nationalist background mm-hmm. on the False Road, and he, he obviously demonstrates, well, I'm not a nationalist and I'm a British Unionist. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and as I say, he's got that in easily. But uh, we spoke earlier, I think, and about that maybe that some nationalists will use this as a, a cultural matter, really, rather than uh, as Chris Donnelly, perhaps. And this is what Colm Eastwood has said. Mm-hmm. Mr. Eastwood said that the, the f- figures demonstrating a greater proportion of Catholics living in Northern Ireland for the first time amounted to a seminal moment in the island's recent history that should not be downplayed or diminished out of fear or insincere politicking. The SDLP leader urged people to undertake a serious and sincere reflection on the scale of change we have experienced and to take part in a conversation about the powerful potential for a new sh- social democratic New Ireland Social Democratic New Ireland is—is is that what we're calling a United Ireland this week? Or that's quite nationalist, really. Uh, yeah, very much. So it seems. I mean, all all these the arguments, you know, do seem to gear towards essentially they're saying, you know, we're heading towards United Ireland to a degree. I mean, that's what they're saying, um, essentially. But as as you mentioned before, you know, there's there's unionists that come from a Catholic background. Um, we've had, you know, um. You know, uh, Protestants um, elected down to the the Shannon down south before in the form of Ian Marshall, um, and you you know we have cross border bodies always had since the um, Good Friday Agreement, um, so you would probably I would imagine you would see the nationalist parties try to strengthen those kind of cross border bodies, um, and all Ireland structures, um, in a sense, and then there's of course you know campaigns, um, you know sort of campaigns for women's rights and things which are very much all Ireland issues. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm looking at Twitter here, mm-hmm. and see, I see a lot of people are talking about border poll, etc. Yeah. Let's stress this once again in the cold light of day, on the figures and on the political realities as as there is there there is no uh, mandate in, in the Secretary of State's eyes no, for a United Ireland poll at this stage, and neither is there to be completely detached from this. There's no, there's no chance of that, of 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 a vote for a United Ireland at the, today. No, there's not, and you, you know, you would, uh, you know, I remember listening to Ian McCannery this week, and he was saying, you know, people are talking about it in the next ten years or the end of the decade, rather, which is another eight years, um, which is fanciful, and I think he's correct in that estimation. But you had to remember as well that census done is is done every ten years. Well, so ten years down the line, what are these figures going to look like, and is that going to are people then going to say actually, well, maybe. Maybe actually we should be starting to think about that, you know. Well, let's pencil that in the diary. (laughs) Okay, well, we maybe come back. If we can get more political uh, reaction, we can come back to that Mm -hmm. question. Now, passports. And again, I don't want to labour the point. I don't want to make it boring. Mm -hmm. But they mean something. They do. They don't mean everything. Tell us, what's the story about the passports? Okay, so uh, this time around we have 47% of people here hold only a British passport, uh, 27% hold only an Irish passport, and 5% of both. Now, um, in terms of the number of both, um, that's an increase from uh, the previous year's figures, or sorry, the previous census's figures, and I think you would see a lot of that as well. Maybe it's, le- it's probably less down to national identity than it would be Brexit. 
um, because having... You there know, are 63% more Irish passports. Aye. That's a huge figure. 100%, yeah. But as you say, we've had this dramatic event in the meantime. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, I know even per- personally, obviously it's anecdotally, um, but people, you know, they're from Stansi Unionist background, but um, whenever um, Brexit happened, uh, they applied for an Irish passport. And that's just for more practical reasons, because, you know, it's handier to have an Irish passport in terms of, you know, going through airports and stuff in various European countries and whatnot. So that may be down to less to national identity, but of course there is a section of people that um, say, well, I feel I'm Irish, so therefore I should have an Irish passport, even though if they may have had a British one from birth. You can't read basically too much It's politically into that. Having said that, uh, for a staunch unionist to sign on that dotted line yeah. for an Irish passport uh, does seem to indicate that there is some flexibility. But clearly nationalists and people you know, of all backgrounds have been using British passports. I, perhaps it's not the identity issue we think it is, but it is an interesting stat. It's an interesting stat, yeah. But as you say, I think it's more more for practical reasons than anything. But as you do, you would imagine that for you know unionists to to sign the dotted line on an Irish passport application would indicate you know maybe a, perhaps a slight softening or a softening in the future of their views. Now we are obsessed, and we have been obsessed so far in in, in ready steady census about Catholics, Protestants, British, Irish, Northern Irish, uh, border poles, etc. Of course we are, but there's a lot of people, uh, and I don't know their opinions of this, but there's a lot of people who have come to live in Northern Ireland in the last ten years. What are the stats with regards to country of origin, Andrew? So country of birth, the number of people living in Northern Ireland who were born outside the UK and Ireland has uh, grown by four point five percent. So that's from 81,500 people back in 2011 to just over 124,000 now. So that's, you know, 6.5% of our population now, which is massive um, when you think about it. Um, And we are becoming a more multicultural society. Um, I think that's evident anywhere you look, really. Um, You know, migration, you know, has increased. Um, You know, and perhaps as well, there's more people... um, that were born in Northern Ireland that now live elsewhere outside the UK around as well. So yeah, that's a sign of, of um, I think globally, the world becoming more multicultural for various reasons. Um, how much, whether or not you know, Brexit has, has stifled that um, kind of remains to be seen in the long term. Um, but definitely, yeah, we're seeing more various, uh, you know, broad um, spectrum of different communities um, in Northern Ireland. Um, even if you look at just you know um, city by si- or city by town and whatnot, or look at Belfast, there's, I mean, there's there's more than a dozen you know um, different liberal communities dotted over the place. Yeah. So just to, just to just to clarify that, any for any listeners, the number of people resident in Northern Ireland belong, belonging to ethnic groups, if you mm-hmm. want to put it that way, yeah. has actually doubled since 2011. It has quadrupled since 2001. Um, so we're now looking at 3.4% of the population in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, in 2011 it was 1.8, in 2001 it was 0.8. So that's a huge change. 100%, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. In, in, in that space of time. So th- those, again, maybe statistics we return to in the future uh, because they could have many relevances yeah. in terms of in terms of education and healthcare and yeah. housing and, and even and even in politics as time goes on. Definitely, yeah. And I think uh, if you, you know, look back to, I think, you know, during the Troubles, <laughs> there, would have been a lot of, there wouldn't have been very many people who wanted to come to Northern Ireland at all for obvious reasons. Um, so more of the years have gone on, the more people have seen that it's more of a welcoming place and um, it's a completely different place than it was, um, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, so I think you'll only see that number growing, but it's one of the biggest changes out of all of these figures. Um, and yeah, it, it shows you. 
And that takes us on to language, obviously, because uh, many of those people speak a different language other than English. So main language other than English in this and the 2021 census. Yeah, so the most uh, prevalent languages that were popular other than English would be Polish, which is about uh, just over 20,000 or, yeah, 21, yeah, 20,100 people. And then we have Lithuanians, 9,000, uh, most prevalent languages. And then next to that would be Irish, 6,000, Romanian, 5,600, and Portuguese, 5,000. And those stats, obviously, I mean, unionists would, would point out that there are more people uh, who speak Polish as a first language, a main language in Northern Ireland than Irish. Um, that Irish stat has, has quite dramatically increased in, in, uh, by a factor of, uh, my math, by over a thousand people in 10 years. So that may yeah. become a political uh, hot potato as well. But those do show you, you know, those are stats that we need for education, etc. And for cultural yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we also, if I just go back to the Irish language as well, um, I can see that uh, the number of people with uh, knowledge of Irish has increased as well, but I'm sure people will do quite a bit of arguing over that. Well, that's it. Yeah, you would see, like, you would often see a lot of people, even, you know, especially, you know, in, in nationalist parties, I think it would be um, a good place to look where they would have, you know, some words and phrases, but they would be far from fluent. Um, you know, but the, the latest census, you know, shows us that about 12.4% rather of our population, which is um, just shy of uh, 230,000. Um, have some ability in the Irish language. Now that's up from 10.7% in 2011, which is quite a bit as well. And then if you look at Ulster Scots, which would be often, it's kind of put in the same kind of bracket as Irish in terms of at least um, storming politics. Um, the latest result shows that 10.4% of our population, which is a healthy dose. Um, so that's 190,600 people um, have some ability in Irish Scots, and that's up from 8.4%. So that's actually... Same rough growth, actually, um, compared to the Irish language, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, the, the, but and that's a thing that's always been a bit of a stick and plaster in terms of Northern Ireland, at least in terms of politics, whether or not people on the ground um, care as much or put as much um, stock into that um, is a different story. Yeah, well, uh, of course, these questions, cultural questions, were a major factor in, in Stormont being out of action for, was it two years Mm-hmm. So they do have a they do have a relevance, and obviously these stats will be used and argued over, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So before we finish up, Andrew, can we get a bit more reaction from the political parties? Yes, let's see. Um, obviously, one of those hardline unionist parties will be the TV. Now, quite quickly out of the gate, whenever these results were released this morning, we have uh, the TV leader Jim Allister. Um, the, who said that the fact that the Catholic population in Northern Ireland has flourished presents a telling contrast to the near extinction of the Protestant population in the Republic. Those who make a read across from the Catholic population to support for Irish unity demonstrate them, demonstrate for them just how sectarian that project is. The rise in the number of people identifying as Catholics has been going on for decades, and yet the nationalist vote in this year's assembly election was almost identical uh, to that in the first assembly election in 1998. The union is a union with benefits for all, ranging from free medical care to financial wherewithal when it comes to COVID or energy crisis assistance. That's interesting, actually, that he's uh, mentioned the nationalist vote in the Assembly, um, considering we just came off the back of an Assembly election where Sinn Féin came out as the uh, largest party at Stormont for the first time. So I think he's probably more focused on the, um, the dwindling unionist vote rather than the stagnant 
nationalist vote. Um, but I suppose he does have a point that um, these figures, census figures, don't necessarily translate to votes. No. And obviously, we have this, uh, we're always talking about the growth of the centre. Um, some people think the growth, that growth is exaggerated. Some people disagree with that. But I think everyone can agree that, uh, you know, if there was a referendum tomorrow, that those 30% of the people who who, who ticked Irish in this um, uh Census that they would vote for United Ireland no matter what, and and the, the the Sinn Féin and the SDLP are really competing. They need this middle ground to get it over the fifty percent mark if they want to United Ireland. So this twenty percent Northern Irish, and perhaps there's an equivalent there with people of no religion. That's it's 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 still showing that that's that's a major factor. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. I mean, they would need to really, as you say, in terms of the national side, they would have to you know win over that middle ground to their side and the unionists would try to have to persuade them of the benefits of the union and keep them on their side and then you would you would find that you would also probably need to um, encourage um, a section of the of the unionist community the, probably the moderate unionist community if you want to call them that um, of the benefits of um, a united Ireland but yeah it's very much I think the focus should be on the on the middle ground yeah. So let's just round up the results one more time Catholics 46% Protestants and other Christians, 43%. UK passport only, 47%. Irish only, 27%. UK and Irish, 5%. National identity, British only, 32%. Irish only, 29%. NI only, 20%. No ability in Irish, 88%. No ability in Ulster Scots, 90%. So, that's it from Ready Steady Census. We'll see you again in 10 years' time when no doubt we'll be asking the same questions. Who won the trailer tent or the speedboat? I think we can say that no one got it this time. But we can tell there are three main groups here in Northern Ireland. One in the middle, one Irish and one British. So I think we can safely say, Andrew, things have changed, but not by much. Things have changed, but they'll, they'll stay the same for a long time. That's it from Ready, Steady, Census. <laughs> <laughs>